Good morning, Cornerstonians. Good morning, well worshipers and well cafe worshipers. What a joy to be with you this morning. I just want to take one more opportunity to do the palm thing. Would you, would you take your palm and be seated this time, but in the air. There's a beautiful, beautiful first song we had to, to, to use with this, but I want us to do a little faster, okay? So we're going to go, ho, ho, zan, no, okay? Ho, ho, zan, ho, ho, zan, ho, ho, zan, ho, ho, zan. That's perfect. It reminds me of the story of a Palm Sunday long ago when a Five-year-old boy named Johnny had to stay home. He was sick that morning and stayed home with his grandmother. And when his family came back following worship, they came back with these palm fronds. And they were waving them back and forth. He said, what are those? And his father said, well, Johnny, people took these and they waved them over Jesus' head as, as he walked by in the parade. Wouldn't you know it, Johnny Fume, the one Sunday I don't go to church and Jesus shows up. I'm glad you've showed up. I'm glad you're here on this Palm Sunday. And this is one of those in, incredible days in the, the Christian calendar. It's, it's one of the incredible days for us as we, as we begin Holy Week, a, a week which is quite different from every week of the year, but will be a very special week for us here in the year 2018. I, if I were to give a title to, to this message, I think I was going to call it a shining moment. And let me see if I can tie that in four different ways. First of all, what a privilege it was on Thursday evening to be able to be in Sundance Square uh, in Fort Worth uh, as uh, awards were given for Habitat for Humanity. Um, one of the awards was given uh, to our church and to First Baptist Church in Mansfield for our work as faith partners. Would you give a hand to our church for being involved with Habitat for Humanity? And there also was an award given to, to one of our own, uh, somebody who's been behind the scenes uh, doing incredible work for Habitat for years, and not just with Habitat in other ways, uh, but the good folks at Habitat wanted to honor her work. And so uh, they presented the Golden Heart Award to Susan Luttrell. Would you join me in, in, in celebrating Susan Luttrell? <clears throat> Those indeed were shining moments. And uh, the shining moments story kind of leads me into uh, a couple of other things, but I think I need to pray first. Let us pray. Let now the words from my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, for those of you who may be new to our church, um, or if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Jim Connor, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at the church. And this past few weeks, we've had a chance to, to look back uh, through the Gospel of Mark, to the witness of Mark. We've had a chance to see a bumper video, which has uh, had some scenes of the Holy Land, uh, which is, have really hit home for, for several of us. Several of us had a chance to be in the Holy Land a few weeks ago, and uh, the memories are still vivid and the stories. And I thought I'd start this morning with a little bit of show and tell. We already did the Hosannas. That was a pretty good show, by the way. Um, but I want to show you a couple pictures, uh, perhaps my favorite memory of the Holy Land. Uh, this is the Jordan River. Um, and that's me there, right there. Um, and I, I want you to see that David's wearing a shirt underneath his robe. And I didn't get that, that uh, message. And it's hard to tell, but you can't really tell where the robe and my neckline, you know, they meet. It's just, 
I, so I consider that one shining moment. Um, David's wearing sunglasses and praying that everyone's not blinded by, by me behind him. <laughs> and while I can smile about many things, uh, let me just in all honesty tell you that was one of the most spiritually rich moments I've had in my life uh, to be able to walk into the Jordan River um, and to think that that is the place where John baptized so many and John baptized Jesus and to be in that water and to have a chance to, to be with uh, several brothers and sisters from here and other churches and to be able to reaffirm our baptisms. Uh, it's life-changing, it's transforming. Uh, and I, I give thanks uh, for that shining moment. Uh, as we continue now into our sermon for this morning, uh, I wanna ask you a question. I, uh, I'm a big, big college basketball. Do we have good, big college basketball fans here? Okay, the, the Monday of the finals, um, which is be April 2nd this year, at, as the final game is over, uh, they always put together a wonderful montage of highlights of the entire tournament. We get to see the last second shots and the, the, the great celebrations, the tears. We, we get to see it all. And it's, there's a, a song that goes on behind it. Do you know what the name of that song is? Thank you, Randall, one shining moment. <laughs> the 815 crowd did not know. Um, but last night, there was a whole row that shouted out one shining moment. If you see nothing else, make sure you watch that. But, but there's certainly plenty to watch this year. Uh, I am a graduate of Ohio Wesleyan University and my wonderful battling bishops, a Division III school, don't know anything about this kind of tournament. <laughs> Uh, but for years, I have been absolutely glued uh, to, to the brackets, to, to the games that are on, and stories of David and Goliath, and, and last second shots, and, and stories of great joy, and then the gr great pain, depending on who you're rooting for. Good luck to uh, our Texas Tech brothers and sisters uh, this afternoon, and, um, and unless you're from Villanova, and then, you know, pray for you as well. But what a, what a great, great season of basketball playing we've been able to witness the last couple of weeks. And, and gosh, even with a 98-year-old nun serving as a mascot for a little Catholic school in Chicago, uh, what an incredible story that's been. And I can't wait to, to keep watching, but we call that March Madness. And uh, now here comes the segue back into our sermon. Um, there's a, a different kind of march that was taking place that first Palm Sunday and a different madness that ensued. But before I even get there, I want to tell you that as excited as I am about college basketball and the great joy that that brings me, I hope it doesn't bring me the same joy that the Palm Sunday celebration and the the Monday Thursday and Good Friday experiences and the Easter Sunday or Saturday experiences will bring me. I hope we have the same kind of passion and joy uh, as we come to worship and celebrate something far more important than a win or a loss for a college basketball team. But it was a, a little bit of madness that was going on that, that day, I believe in March uh, in Jerusalem. There was a buzz as thousands of Jews had gathered for the celebration of Passover in that holy city. Uh, the March the, the parade in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem is covered in all four Gospels, but for this morning we'll hear it from the Gospel of Mark, from the 11th chapter, from the first 11 verses. 
And if you have your Bibles in front of you, please open them. If you want to pick up the Pew Bible that's in front of you or in the seat in front of you, it can be found on page 1576, the first 11 verses of the 11th chapter of Mark. And here now, this story of the first Palm Sunday. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of God for the people of God. I want to tag on to that reading uh, part of the Palm Sunday story from Luke's 19th chapter. It can be found on page 1634 in your pew Bible. Um, but it is the 19th chapter, verses 41 to 44. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I wanted that to be part of our thoughts this morning because as I remember walking down that road and, and the wall on one side with rocks on top of it, it was, it was a very thin and, and windy and kind of a treacherous road. It was wet that day going down it. And I, I just remember this part of the passage with Jesus stopping and weeping over the city. For Jesus was grieving over what he knew would befall Jerusalem. And, and I just kind of thought that Jesus probably was weeping for you and for me as well. Because we're not really sure what brings us peace all the time. We're not always aware of these God moments that are so transforming and life-changing until they're, they're much past us. There were two processions that happened in Jerusalem on that March day. The first being the one of Jesus and the disciples on that donkey. And then there was another larger one. It was an imperial procession. Uh, Pilate, the Roman governor, entered the city uh, as the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers on white horses with chariots, with armor. It's quite in contrast to the procession of Jesus. When Jesus selected a donkey when he rode into the city, he did it in exactly the way the prophet Zechariah had predicted. Lo, your king comes to you humble and lowly, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
And as such, it was a direct challenge to Roman power and authority. Palm Sunday is one of the most important days of the Christian year. It, it begins with this joyful procession and it ends very quietly. It's important to note in Mark's gospel what does not happen on Palm Sunday. In Mark's ending, Jesus went to the temple, looked around, and he left. Now he would return the next day and he would cleanse the temple. He would turn over the tables and get rid of the money changers. And there are a lot of other things he did during Holy Week. But what he did not do that Sunday was to organize and lead a revolt. Now that's what the people wanted. Frankly, that's what the people expected. A strong leader in the mold of, of King David, uh, one who would rally the people, one who would strike a blow against the hated Romans, one who, like a scene from a Cecil B. DeMille movie, would drive Pilate and his legions and their horses and chariots into the water. But it didn't happen. Jesus was not that kind of revolutionary. His reign was and, and is not one of power and domination but one of justice and kindness. His kingdom was and is not of might, but of compassion. This is the first day of the week in which Jesus was willing to die for us, to show us in a very real way something we should never forget, and that there is nowhere that we will go, nothing that we will do that will not be something Jesus is not done before, or it's not a place that Jesus won't be willing to go with us. No triumph, no suffering, no living, no dying. He's experienced it all with us and for us. This is an important day because it's a day when love confronts power. It's the first day of the week in which love was willing to die and destroy death. And it's a day in which Jesus comes to you and to me and invites us to follow. As we think back, it's so very, very hard for us to, to imagine all the things that were going on that first Palm Sunday. The disciples do what Jesus asked them to do, but we're aware they still don't get it. They didn't know what the week held in store for him. They didn't know what it held in store for them. They had some very real expectations of Jesus but they didn't include Jesus dying on a cross and leaving them alone. So this morning I ask you a question. What are your expectations of Jesus? It may be an equally important one. What are Jesus' expectations of you? How do we recognize those moments where God comes to us and asks us to step up in faith to be a witness, to make a difference in the way that we live and the way that we serve. Something important was happening on that first Palm Sunday. How did they miss it? And how do we avoid making the same mistake? Well, just a, a couple of suggestions. First of all, we need to remember always that God's moments are often unexpected and surprising moments. Uh, the people did not expect a 30-year-old Jew who had lived with his mother all his life to come riding in on a donkey. God is full of surprises and rarely comes in the way we expect. How do you expect God to come into your life? Did you expect God to come in when we were waving the palm branches? 
or not waving the palm branches for the three or four of you that I, I still know? Or do you think God has already come in to our worship? Is God already in this place? Is God already in our hearts? I hope you believe the answer to those questions are yes. But what about those moments when God asks us to step up and, and decide? For God's moments are almost always moments of decision. The first Palm Sunday was filled with decisions. The Pharisees had already decided what they would do. The Sanhedrin had already plotted to, to kill Jesus. The disciples had made their decisions too, as weak and as uncertain as our own. And then there was a crowd. The crowd that had gathered decided to shout out Hosanna that day, but it would be a few days later and they'd be shouting out something else. The words crucify him. And if we really are honest with the, the situation, the crowd wasn't that huge a crowd. There were many that weren't there. For like us, some people just chose not to be bothered by it. Uh, they decided not to show up at all. Some of us are pretty good at sidestepping issues and responsibilities. But I think the, the more that we grow, the more that we understand that to not decide is to decide. And when it comes to the God moments, we need to decide to witness, observe, and testify. Perhaps you're facing significant decisions in your life right now. See them, as, see them as God God moments. And then don't only decide, but be responsible in your decision. We are called to be responsible for who we are and what we do. And we're called not to run away. I remember Palm Sundays in, in, in churches for the last 35 years. And, and one of the traditions in two of the churches... I was at was to read the entire Palm Passion story. Uh, it's hard for us to, to just focus on, on that triumphal entry back into Jerusalem without thinking about what happened the rest of the week. And so for many, they, they read the whole story. They have several readers up front, or they, they act it out in a very real and powerful way. And while we're not doing that here, I want to encourage you to read the entire Palm Passion story in one sitting this week because uh, it really will make a difference in how you understand the story. Uh, I think one of the reasons we don't do it is because we have that expectation and because you all are so very, very good and responsible about being back here for worship on Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday as we remember the Last Supper. You are good about coming back for Good Friday services as we remember the day when Jesus laid his life down for us and he was nailed to the cross and I know you will be at one of our several uh, Easter services, either at the Center for the Performing Arts here in the sanctuary or, or out in the park. But having said all that, I, I remember a story told by, by one of the greatest writers and one of the better pastors that, that I've come to know over the years, a woman by the name of Barbara Brown Taylor. And she shares a wonderful story about what happened uh, in her congregation on this particular Palm Sunday. At the last church I served, she wrote, it was traditional to, to stage a dramatic reading of the Palm Sunday narrative. And the solemn occasion began with the announcement of the gospel. 
And then the lights went down and even the children in the congregation fell silent as the red-robed participants moved into their places. The principal readers stood spotlit in the chancel and other players were seated throughout the dark church beside unsuspecting worshipers. And the only prop was a a 10-foot cross made of rough wood full of splinters that towered at the top of the chancel steps and it was draped with a blood red stole. On the Sunday I'm remembering, she continues, the drama had built steadily toward its dreaded conclusion. Jesus stood in front of the cross with his head bowed as Pilate addressed the crowd. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, he asked us. And then players leapt to their feet throughout the congregation. Crucify him, they shrieked, one after the other. Their fury erupting a lot like hot geysers throughout the congregation. Let him be crucified. Come fully to life, the story was awful. It was always awful and painful. But those of us who had endured it before knew it would soon be over. Hunching our shoulders against what was to come, we were waiting for the end when a strange new voice began to make itself heard. Oh, my Lord, no, wailed an unrehearsed woman's voice. Don't kill my sweet Jesus. You've got to stop. You can't kill my sweet Jesus. Lord, make them stop. The ushers at the back of the church peered into the darkness, trying to find where the voice was coming from. And the one nearest her finally located her and sat down beside her. People all around her came to try to comfort her and whispered to her, and then accepting their offer of a cup of coffee, she let them lead her out of the sanctuary, just as Jesus gave up his spirit with a heart-splitting howl. You see, it turned out that she had wandered off the street, still high from the night before, that she had taken a seat without knowing what was about to occur. I tried to tell her it wasn't real, said a teenage girl who was sitting next to her. But I realized that for her, it was. We forget. What we do here is, isn't just mere routine and ritual. It's not fake. It's reality at its deepest, highest. It's rehearsal for the rest of life. God meets us here. These are God moments. And in these encounters, we're formed and made new. And in these encounters, we're called to make decisions. Dear friends, this is as real as it gets. At the beginning of every Holy Week, I remember the story of a parochial school teacher who wanted to make sure that her class for first graders understood everything that happened during Holy Week. And she talked about Palm Sunday and she talked about turning over the tables on on the Monday following. She talked about Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday, she talked about Good Friday, and then at the end she said, do you have any questions? And a little boy raised his hand and asked, well, what happens if you don't want to be holy all week? How holy do you want to be this week? Let me tell you something, I truly believe that God is calling us to holiness, this week and every week, but especially this week. So what is it that the Lord's gonna require of us? 
I think that God would God be very happy if we made our way to some of those other worship experiences or the, the celebration of the fun run here on Saturday morning. Chances that we have to be the church and to witness to our faith and our love of God and each other. I think the Lord would like to have us make a stronger commitment to be faithful, to make faithful decisions, to be responsible, to celebrate God's presence, to love God and love others as we serve the world. What else does the Lord require of us? Well, I still believe that Micah said it best. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. May it be so this Palm Sunday, the rest of the week, and the rest of our lives. Amen.